Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and talk about mental health with amazing humans. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Chris Crowley to the conversation. Welcome, Chris. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I'm good, I'm good. So we'll get get into how you're doing in a second, but I hope you will. Um, very quick introduction. I'll just do a brief one just to let you know how I know Chris, and then I'll let you do your, your perfect introduction to who you are, what you're doing. Uh, but Chris and I have known each other for probably about 11 years now. I was working for a company uh, in the business travel world. So anybody listening from the business travel industry will know, no doubt, Chris uh, Crowley from Nina and Pinter. And for anybody that doesn't work in travel, you won't have a clue who Chris is until he tells you. So, um, but Chris and I have always had some really insightful and interesting conversations. I love listening to the the things that Chris is up to so it's great to have him here I'm so happy that you agreed to participate in this conversation with me so welcome Chris I'll let you do your proper introduction mate thanks Matt to be, to be honest with you I was expecting to be invited much quicker than you know number you know 196 no I'm uh, I'm really delighted to be chatting to you and um, I'm Chris Crowley. I'm a, a business travel uh, person, but more than anything, I'm a travel person. I, I live in Southwest London in, uh, in Wimbledon with my, uh, with my wife and my two sons. Um, I've had a career that's been a mixture of hotel and uh, travel agency, I would say, uh, in, uh, in large part with some entertainment travel and consultancy thrown in the mix in, uh, in, in different places. I'm definitely approaching the old fart category in the um, in the travel industry now, but quite happy in that approach. I'm, I don't feel uh, it's uh, it's uh, sitting badly on, and um, yeah, really interested in what's happening at the moment uh, in our space, which is, you know, on the one hand, you know, uh, very very shocking and very sad and very difficult, but on the other hand, is also throwing up some very interesting. Um, opportunities and, and products and services and you know innovations from people um, so it's a, a sort of you know yin and yang kind of moment I think for a lot of folks so yeah really glad to be here and and thanks brilliant stuff Chris we're not going to get too much into those yin and yang sort of technical sort of things if we if we're okay because this is a conversation about you and yeah. your journey with mental health and how you define that so that's the big question I'm just going to throw it over to you to to give us a bit of a story tell us a bit about yourself let us know who you are and and some of that journey that you've been on well I you know in thinking about this this conversation and trying to how how do I think about mental health because mm -hmm. I think one of the interesting things that we've all learned to do in recent years is to start thinking about mental health. You know, when I was a boy and, and a young man, I didn't really ever think about mental health. Mental health was a problem that somebody else had, or it was, you know, it was, it was something that had a slightly negative context to it. Or So really thinking about mental health has been something I've done a lot in my recent years. And I mean, understand a lot things that happened to, you know, to me and by me in my in my life as I grew up and I got older I think in my life my mental health has progressed from a series of of key moments okay. right that have that have affected me very deeply and that maybe that's a common experience for uh, a lot of people I think the first one was my father uh, dying of cancer when I was 20 this um, this was a big moment for me it was it sort of shook me as a person um, in my perception of myself and and who I was, and in, and in fact, I ran away from it. I, I ended up traveling around the world for quite a long time. Uh, not the kind of travel that you and I do for work, 
much more to do with large groups of people on beaches and, and things like that. Um, but it also helped me to understand a lot, I realize now about who I was, where I was from and what I thought about the world. And that concept of self-identity and self-visualization has also been a very common theme in, I think, in my mental health journey, trying to understand who I am and, and, and not why I am, because that sounds, I think that's almost impossible to do that, but a little bit, you know, what I am for kind of thing. Um, because part of, you know, I think my challenges when I was younger was was frustration and anger. I was an, I was an angry guy. You know, if I got frustrated, I was a I was a kick the tires, bash the walls kind of guy. Pretty impatient in um, in my younger times. I could be overly direct to the the point of let's say, you know, rudeness. And um, and I didn't really have a lot of patience with people that I didn't think were. Um, either at my speed or on my wavelength or in my in my way of thinking and I, and I, I learned my way around that over several years um, through the help of some very influential um, people who I worked with or worked for you know some uh, some real uh, influences on me over the, the course of, uh, of years and with the help of and the love of my family my wife and you know, and then and, and key moments like the birth of my children, which I think we all, you know, also resets your thinking quite a lot about what your place is in the world and, and how you look at things. So I, I, if I look back now, I see these key moments of, you know, um, from my father passing the, you know, the, the mass crowd experiences of the rave years, four or five years where basically I was, I was on a beach, that's more or less how it worked. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, years of starting into a career in travel, which I fell into by accident. I did a law degree at university and right. fell, in, fell into travel, learning to be a human being to people, not not to be an arsehole all the time, which was was a you know was quite a was quite a big learning lesson for me. And finally, accepting that it was okay to be proud and happy doing something that I had never imagined was a career or a life choice for me when I was being funneled through school, university and all that process. And then also accepting, which happened to me quite a lot later in life, that I could, I could genuinely love and be loved and have a family and, and have children. And I, I don't think I understood really what love meant until I had this family with my wife and my children. I don't think I really understood love in that context. So it's it's the journey's been a like a path of, of moments that yep. are almost like stones falling in water and ripples going through the rest of the the rest of the piece. And you know, as I look back on it, what I realize now is that you know there are things that matter and there are things that basically don't. Right. And the things that the things that matter are, you know, your family your friends, your community, your self-awareness, your, your understanding of yourself. You know, I, I don't know um, if you have this for your kids, but, you know, my five-year-old son is taught mindfulness at school. I wish I had been taught mindfulness at school. <clears throat> you? I mean, I was, never, I was never taught. I was shouted at for not eating rice pudding. I wish I'd been, I wish I'd been taught mindfulness, you know, yeah. and things like that. We, we've taught ourselves that stuff, right, yep. over 
So I think there's a, there's a, you know, it's also about people that matter to you and that influence you and how that translates from you to other people. So I also now have a very conscious feeling of, of wanting to be available and as open as possible and as helpful as possible. And then I think there's also, you know, a, a sense that you've got to try and maintain optimism. Even in, even in the face of quite difficult situations, you know, there's a, a Belgian politician who said that uh, optimism is a moral duty. And I think, you know, we're so crowded in our heads with stuff, right? You know, you, you and I were talking before about one of the big challenges now at this time is how complicated it is to do really simple things. Yep. You, want, you know, you want, just want to go and buy a loaf of bread in a store. It involves masks, cars, hand washes, sanitation, you know, the, you name it. So, so complexity crowds your brain and your thinking. And, you know, the fact that we're also, I think, confined a lot with people in a certain way in this situation, both a blessing and a, and a challenge in that situation. So I think as I think through the journey, and I also think about ways that um, I've developed to, to protect myself a little bit, okay. but also to enable myself and to give myself the breathing space and the coping mechanisms to be able to deal with, with fluctuations of intensity. Because the other, the other mental health lesson I think I've learned is that certainly in my life, and it might, it might be different in other people's lives, but certainly in my life, mental health pressure is not a constant. It's like a, it's like a rising and falling kind of, kind of thing. So there are, there are moments of severe intensity and then there are moments of actual relative calm. And then it, yep. you know, so it's, it's also that, um, that feeling. So. Wow. Well, it's, it's really incredible and fascinating to hear your sort of version of that. And you're absolutely right. There is those moments of intensity and there's a moment of calm. And, and we go through these fluctuations constantly, actually, when there's pressure on, when we're expected to do certain things. And then other moments where we're going, one of my big things is about having the ability to recover from things that we do, which is the thing we tend to sacrifice the most. You know, and you and I both lived a dream of, you know, traveling around the world and seeing different things for work. And yeah. the, the challenge was recovery, I always found, never having the chance. Can you talk a little bit about that experience for you, that journey? Because, you know, it fits in nicely, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to a point where I, I had to really change my, my job because my physical health was, was yeah. a combination of stress, yeah. uh, young family, and you know, 150 to 180 days of travel a year was uh, was not sustainable. It just simply wasn't sustainable. No. Um, the um, the eating and drinking that goes with this, um, yeah. you know, was was also there. Um, you know, it's a lot of self inflicted wounds in that situation. Um, you 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 become kind of blocking and uh, and, and negative in a wrong way. So. Um, so now I finally came to the conclusion that, you know, I needed to change my, change my stars a bit, you know, and, yep. and to do something different. And that the things that mattered to me were at home. They weren't in a meeting room in, in Holland or, or, or Dallas or, you know, wherever it happened to be. Right. So, um, so no, so I took a, de I took a decision that I've, I think was one of the best decisions in, in my life. I took it with my wife uh, yep. together and, um, and left and, and pursued something different. And I still travel and I still do things like that, but I'm much more conscious now about making it as, as physically, um, as, as little physical impact as possible, 
so that I, I'd allow my mental state with it to be okay because the physical impact and the mental impact are really closely aligned. You, you, you fly a lot, or you, you're in different time zones or things like that. Your body becomes fragile. If you compound that with heavy drinking and too much eating and stuff like that, then your, your brain just, and you know how these things work, right? You go to, yeah. you go to an internal meeting, you sharpen, you know, somewhere in the US, you know, let's say like, I don't know, Dallas, right? The sake of argument. Yep. Fly like, you know, nine hours to get there, right? You show up on the, on the Monday, you know, to spend a week with 150 of your least closest friends. And, you know, that, that night you have, you know, a massive dinner. Yep. The next, next day you're in a meeting room at 8.30, you watch PowerPoint until six o'clock, massive dinner. Meeting room 8.30, PowerPoint till six o'clock, massive dinner. Meeting room 8.30, go to the airport, get on the flight, go home, back in the office meeting. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah, is it not, is. That is not the way to, to, to conduct business. We don't give each other any space or time or, you know. So I think, I think maybe one of the positives that will come out of this situation is that we will learn to give each other space and time within the boundaries of our expectations from each other right yeah. and i think that's something that we you know that really is missing <clears throat> things and that and that again is that crowding sensation isn't it yeah. that makes it difficult for people to to mentally breathe so yeah i, I i'm i think it was the absolutely the right decision i respect people that do it by the way and are able to manage it and you and i both know some people that do yeah um but i'm not one of those people so i'm quite happy to i'm quite happy to do it on a reduced yeah. on a reduced scale you know have my family as well still be still be effective in what i'm doing professionally mm. but, but have that balance between the, the different things and i'm also i think you know i'm old enough and i think you're old enough that we're yes. able to make those choices yeah right? because sometimes when you're younger you're not in a position to make that choice are you which is no you know in hindsight is a wonderful thing isn't it because you you can look back and do that reflection and i've done a lot of that over the last few years in particular around this exact thought of travel you know do i miss it do i want to go back to it i i enjoy it now the thought of it for for, for pleasure for holiday i don't yeah. like the thought of going back to ever doing what i did before because i just think it was a you know it's it's, it's a trajectory that doesn't end happily that's the thing no. isn't it but when you're 20 years old and somebody says, go off and do this trip and it's free beer and as much food as you want to eat, you know, it's, it's hard, isn't it? So there is a, an element of responsibility. But I think, yeah, it, it's, it, it's important that others around us tell us as well, though. Yeah. Was anybody talking to you about that or saying anything when you were going through that excessive journey of, you know, all those trips? No, no, they were not. Um, I mean, occasionally somebody would send an email with an interesting article about work-life balance, right. which normally followed the email demanding why you hadn't been at, you know, X, Y or Z meeting or why, yeah. where was the document they needed yesterday or whatever it happened right. to be. I'll tell you where it, 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 I started to understand it was when I went on paternity for George. Okay. And taking paternity... Um, and, and, and I've got to be very careful here because this was not, this is not something I think is unique to, to my employer at the time. Right. But taking paternity was in a certain sense regarded as weakness. And I, I'm, I'm being very cautious how I yeah. say it, but yeah. it, was, it was kind of like, really? You're going to spend three months being daddy? Really? Right. Right. Right? Yeah, so, so we'll just do your work for you while you're off, you know having a holiday then will we that is there was a, there was an element of that in it right so 
So, and again, I'm going to be really careful because, you know, the provisions were good and I can't, I'm not, it's not a complaint and I'm not trying to, you know, make no, a question about this. Other. So, um, and I think that helped me understand that, you know, you decoupling from that lifestyle, even for three months, was enough to shift priorities and help me understand. And then the second paternity that I went on, two years later, the Monty in 2017, just closed the book on it for me. I came back from, uh, you know, I came back in August, I went into a meeting in September, you know, I was in a, in a meeting room in, in Paddington, you know the one very well, yep. about 30 people in it, massive argument, you know, that went on for a whole day of PowerPoint. I just thought, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and you just sometimes it takes these things to to help you learn and understand it. I think. Oh, definitely. I can. Yeah, I can picture that scene right now, and I can, I can understand. And and when you're talking about it, it just makes so much sense. It just you know that clarity point, isn't it, of value in in certain ways towards family and community and things that are going on outside. Actually, we we get fixated on work. That's my biggest challenge for many people now. Is you know we don't know when to stop working. We don't know when to sever and stop and i know you're very much into this boundaries setting and things like that now so talk about what you do to take care of yourself now you know what's your routine if it is or what do you look after yourself with i know you've got some some things in there that you said i'll be interested to hear well i i, I have some slightly um, unusual uh, mechanisms for doing oh. certain things with my head um, okay so i think there's a couple of things that you need to be able to do one i think you need to be able to let the creativity of your brain flow without you controlling it. Yeah. And uh, what I do to to enhance that is um, mainly coloring. Uh, I, I used to be quite well known for sitting on long haul flights, um, coloring quite complex patterns. Brilliant. Um, used to, you know, Mickey taking out of me from other passengers and in, in you know in the flight. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. They just wanted but, to do it themselves. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Well, they were just watching some inane box set. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So that. That's a very simple thing. Then you also need, you also need your head, I think, to be able to have rhythm. So your thoughts have a, like a natural, if you imagine like a sine wave doing that, I think yep. our, our brains have a kind of flow with them, right? And if we squeeze them too much or we complicate them too much, or we put too much pressure on it. I think we've put ourselves in a situation where our natural flow or restive state doesn't allow us to repair. And that becomes a, a, a self-fulfilling Yep. prophecy of of unhappiness so I, I like to do things that require me to create order in a slightly mindless way so my favorite thing is ironing so i'm really i'm i'm really famous in my family as being the guy that irons everything right nobody <laughs> else is, nobody else is allowed to iron anything great right. big baskets of ironing develop you know uh, in the in the house and i iron clothes and watch cricket okay yep and cricket for me is like is like sport is like zen expressed as sport because it's just a rhythm you know it's the only yeah. by the way the only sport in the world where a draw is a perfectly acceptable and often desirable result right yeah so it's it's you know so i i i do i do these things where i'm kind of i'm doing something that does not require me to consciously control the order of it i can then let my mind wander and then the other thing that i do which um is a lot of walking. I'm not a runner, I, you yep. know, people are runners. A lot of walking and I go back into the the deep house and the trance music that I spent so many years dancing to. Right. And I generate, this, I'm able to generate the same mental, euphoria is the wrong word, but mental calm. Yep. Because it's something, 
and people who've who've had this lifestyle will understand this there's something about being in the middle of 5,000 people dancing to the same beat that is a very it's actually a very calming almost spiritual experience yep you 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 help it be that with some of the things that you do but but you know nonetheless there's a yeah. You know, let's not get into walking. That, but, you mean walking, right? You would yeah, walk. yeah, physical exercise. Yeah. So, you know, and you. Yeah. So, um, walking also does that for me. Listening to the the music. So it's really it's about you know it's it's physical exercise. It's allowing your brain to be free by the performance of a monotonous but you know but orderly task, or yeah. it's it's allowing um, a very base level of creativity. So again, your thinking can go at it. And what I what I tend to do with you know, so it, it, one of the great things about doing consultancy is that you're you're addressing quite quite thorny topics or issues. You're trying to find solutions to it. Sure, yeah. I don't try and have a beginning and end to a problem solving experience. I, I'm quite happy to to tease it around a little bit. Say, okay, put it back on a shelf somewhere, right? Go off to a walk. Yep. Or you know, or watch a bit of cricket, or do some ironing or something. Come back, pick it up again, and go. Hmm, right, fiddle about with it again, yeah. put it back, go off. I'm quite happy to do that. And I, I find that also means that I'm not anxious about it or worrying about it because I'm able to I'm able to take it as, as far as I feel I can at that moment and then either do something else. Or, so I'm, I'm also, it also allows me to create stages in the in the thought process. It's a slightly rambling um answer but it no it's, it's fascinating i love i love to hear how people look after them you know their mind really and it's so important to have those those things that are your outlets and that even the ironing and the cricket and i love watching cricket as well i i always have it on in the background when it's on because you know it is exactly that it's just easy to watch some people find it really frustrating but actually there's nothing better than a five-day test in my eyes so you know it's it's, it's like it's like it's like zen isn't it yeah absolutely it, it, it's completely yeah. zen it just has a yeah. rhythm it's like a metronome yeah, you know, and even the commentating of it, and the yeah, you know, the whole yeah. Interesting. It's interesting, and for anybody that's listening, there are other sports available, of course, for for listening, and but there isn't yeah. too much when it comes to Zen. So, um, it's so. How did you find those though? Those thoughts. How did you get to that place that said I enjoy ironing, watching the cricket? Was that something that you just built up over a number of years? Because you said your family laugh because it's like the ironing pile gets bigger, and it's Chrissy's yeah. responsibility to take care of that right well when we were we were kids my my mother had a very successful career you know developing as a um as a global conference interpreter my my father was coming to the end of his career in the civil service and okay. my mother would would travel a lot i mean she 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 was 150 day a year traveling wow. herself yeah all conferences interpreting and dad would you know, we'd be at home with dad and, and dad could cook about three dishes and certainly no intention of ironing anything. Yeah. Uh, or, or, so, so tasks were divvied out. And, you right. know, one of the tasks that I got was the ironing. And, okay. uh, uh, and I was okay with that, you know. So, um, so yeah, and, it, and it, I realised that I, I enjoyed doing it and watching certain kinds of TV, right? And, and that realisation, it then, you know, something that I started to really enjoy, right? So, so yeah, I, I probably two nights... Two evenings, maybe one one weekend afternoon, you'll find me with a you know cup of tea or a glass of wine, yeah, that cricket on the telly or or maybe or a nice, you know, a nice sort of popcorny type movie, big pile of t-shirts and trousers and stuff like that, and you know there I am. I just, it's fascinating, and I just I'm laughing because 
I, I never thought this podcast would come to a conversation about ironing piles, but you know what? The conversation goes where the conversation goes. That's what I always love about this. But you know what? There is a story behind why that is important for you because it's part of your relaxation, part of your zen, your management. Um, it's it's a very orderly thing to do because oh. you're, create, you're taking, you know, you're taking sort of disorder and chaos yep. away and you're making it into something very beautiful and presentable, right? Yep. I, I would not say I'm the fastest ironer in the world, right? Which which frustrates my missus quite a lot. Oh, really? She, she'll be sitting there on the sofa while I'm doing this. And she's going to look at me like, you could speed up a bit. I'm like, yeah. Five hours later, five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> yeah. and she's going, are you coming to bed yet? Oh, mate, honestly, it's incredible, isn't it? Um, I, I just want to turn tack just a little bit, if that's yeah. okay. The last year, of course, you know, it's a big topic for everybody. And I know it's sort of had an impact in you in your family unit as well. Um, how has it been for you guys? How have you been coping over the, the course of this year? I think in general, I think we've coped extraordinarily well. I mean, there's right. a couple of really interesting things that I I think I would observe. First of all, you know, we live in a, in a street of 40 houses, more or less, uh, Victorian Terrace Street in Wimbledon. Yeah. I would say that before this crisis we were all on friendly terms without necessarily being friends yeah. i mean this is now a bonded community let me tell you right now everybody looks out for each other knows each other understands what's going on keeps mm. an eye on each other we've had um i think one person pass from okay. uh from covid in the street but it, it's it's a you know we've all got kids at, at the schools that were homeschooling and you know things like that so that was a, that's been a really interesting um outcome of it mm. um my wife's uh, father has been very sick um, and uh, has a, a quite severe and aggressive uh, cancer situation. And one of the hardest things for us has not, has not been having the ability to see him as much as we would have liked to with the kids, I think, throughout this. Because, yeah. And that's been a real, that's a real loss because we could have really enjoyed making more memories in that, in that situation. I think, um, I think we are, going to be learning how to deal with last year and this year for quite a long time. We're going to have to learn how to mourn loss from this thing that is people, right, first of all, and how to recognise that um, beyond kind of the scoreboard that appears on the TV every night in the news. You know, the, the, the faces, the individual faces of people, you know, somebody um, a few months ago showed a crowd at the olympics on yep. the if you saw this on the yeah. 100 meters day and they should just show this image and afterwards they said just to put this in context that's the number of people that have died in this country from from uh, from covid so yep. i think as a society we have to learn how to deal with that i think something that's very important in mental health which is how we consume and and interact with things i think we have over consumed as a society for a long time and i think there's going to be a learning on that and i think how we interact as communities will be will be big but yeah. i think i think we've got to you know every day we need to count our blessings the people that we love the people that we cherish the people that are important to us we need to spend time telling them how we feel how we love them how they mean something to us why they're important really hold our our community close to us yeah. and try as much as we can to to look forward um you know with hope even and if we find hope difficult then to to use our community to help us 
recover our hope you, you know what i mean yeah. there's always somebody to talk to or, or somebody to interact with so i think um i think it's been a great community learning lesson and and i i just you know i think we're going to have to deal with some things for quite a long time but i i, I think we will come through it I, i'm 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 positive that we will come yeah. through it we'll be okay and I agree. I, community has been such a wonderful thing for us as well. We're in a street with 15 houses. And like you say, we knew each other, but we didn't know each other. And now we are a community that talks to each other. We celebrate things yeah. together. And, and I think that's been a wonderful part of the last year for us is we wouldn't have done that. We'd have continued to just drive in and out of the, the close we live in and wave at people or nod a cursory nod to people. Um, so it does bring this human connection element back together. And I, you know, I send my heart to you and your family for, for what you're going through for your, for your wife's dad as well. So um, we are right at the end, Chris. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you. And then I'll just pass it to you if you've got any final sayings, phrases, words of wisdom or anything you want to share. But I just want to say a huge thank you to you for, for uh, the entertainment of the ironing um, and the thoughts around that. So that's going to be something I'll never forget now. Um, but also just to say thank you for just coming to this talking about your experience your journey and things that you know make sense to you and the way that you've been through your life and so on so thank you any final words sentiments thoughts from you no i i um, <laughs> okay. i really appreciate what you're doing with this um with this podcast i think it's really a, a good thing and in general you know i said this to you uh, i think a year or two a year or two ago i'm so pleased and proud for you with with how you're you're bringing this conversation forward for so many people and and uh, and especially now in this period, it's uh, it's really important. So, thanks for you know for the chance to to spend some time chatting. So uh, you know it's always good to chat to you. Maybe we don't need to have a podcast to do no, next. No. A, a field and a beer or something like that. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah go from there. Yeah, brilliant stuff. No, I really do appreciate that. Um, for anybody that is listening, if you are struggling with anything, if you do feel that you need a safe space to talk, please do know there are always people out there that you can talk to. As I always say at the closing of this, Samaritans exist today exactly for that purpose. Do feel free to reach out if you're worried about anything. 116123 is the number. Or you can text if you're into texting, messaging, um, to shout at uh, 85258. That's the number for that as well. So thanks, Chris. It's all been great. Lovely to see you. All the best to you and the family. Take care. Look after yourself, mate. Cheers. Bye.